0: by Simmons is this the Battleborn Phantom Welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs Podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua and Selmo, bringing you guys a solo episode today since Mitch is away. So, you know, today's episode I think is going to be very interesting. It's not going to be the longest one. I'm going to be talking about Kyle Yarncroke and his signing and, you know, obviously the re-signing of uh, Pierre Engvall and also the moves of Victor Mete and Jordy Ben. So uh, just kind of the middle ads here of free agency in this window. And, you know, is the team getting better or worse so far? What's going to happen with Sandine? We have a lot to get through, but uh, I'm going to try and crunch the time here so, you know, it's a little bit more convenient to listen to. Uh, it's been a while. Very busy week. Uh, we're gonna have a special episode coming out about Mitch Marner. It's gonna be a pretty long one. I have some guests coming on uh, to talk about Mitch Marner and you know the Marner All Star uh, Assist Found- or sorry the Marner Assist Foundation that just happened. I was fortunate enough to attend, uh, you know, arguably the best birthday of my life. It fell on my birthday. What an experience! So I'm gonna save more of that for when that episode comes out. I can't wait. Uh, the episode's gonna be called "Is Mitch Marner the Heartbeat of the Maple Leafs?" So. Stay tuned for that should be coming out next week uh, early next week, but today let's start with Cal Yarncroak. and this was a move that I like a lot. You know Kyle Dubas signs Yarncroak, for your deal 2.1 million AAV. Now I know the term is definitely not something that you know I was really excited about given you know what he did with the Calgary Flames uh, after he was acquired by them, but you know, Cali Yarncroke is a very good two-way player. You know, he can chip in on offense. He can score goals. Um, he can play in his own zone as well. He's not the fastest guy, but he's not slow. He's got a good speed to his game. A very sound player. And a guy that I think could, you know, find real success here in Toronto. He could play center. He could play the wing. I think I like him more on the right wing. I think that I see him in a spot with John Tavares in the top six. I know that might be... A head scratcher but I think Cali Yarncroft has that kind of style of play that would really flourish with John Tavares. John Tavares when he was with the Islanders we saw some of his best seasons when he was with pure grinders and pure you know up and down wingers and you know Mitch Marner I want to see him stick with Matthews on that top line uh, along with Bunting and that second line is where I've been more you know curious about because Nick Robertson, I think, is going to get a a complete shot this season, for sure. He has to. This is going to be his chance, his make-or-break season. I would slot him up up on that top six with uh, John Tavares and Cali Yarncroak. And I would have that third line kind of remain the same as last year with uh, David Kampf, Nylander, and Kerfoot. Um, You know, Angval too, could potentially switch with Kerfoot if they want to get rid of Kerfoot. But I just like the way that Nylander was able to finally start to drive his own line. Uh, towards the end of last season he was starting to create his own play and I think that's where you get the real uh, effect of Nylander you know I think that's where you can get the most out of him is yes you know he might get more points playing with the Marner uh, sorry playing with the Matthews or a Tavares on the wing but I think Nylander and you kind of get that full effect of having all that money tied up to your forward core is when you have it spread out kind of like the Pittsburgh Penguins did when they went to their back-to-back cups I bring them up because When I think about the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think about how they had Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, sorry for the voice crack, and then Phil Kessel on all three different lines, right? And, you know, obviously you have Matthews, then Tavares, and Nylander's line, but then you also have Marner on the wing who's kind of like the Gensel to that, um, you know, the Penguins team when they won their cup. So I just think if you're able to spread out the depth and, you know, Nylander bring that offensive kind of game to, David Kemp and, you know, whoever's winger is on that left side. I think that's where you get the versatility of this lineup. I think that's how you make this team stronger. I think that's how you make this team deeper. And a team that lost a lot of goals and Ilya Mikheyev and the subtractions from this squad, you know, Colin Blackwell left as well. Um, You know, a couple moves on the back end. They lost about, I think, and also don't forget Spetsa too. Spezza contributed. They lost, I think it was like, I counted 87 points or something from the offense. Last year, and they bring in a guy like Nicholas Albea Kubel. They bring in Adam Godet, and I think they replaced that with a total of thirty-eight points prior to the signing of Yarn Croak. So, obviously, that you know those numbers are going to change. But you know, just thinking about Yarn and his ability, like he can play on the wing and center. Like I said, so even if you wanted to move Kerfoot and kind of have him as that Kerfoot replacement, they can do so. But you know, I just think that him in that top set, I think then you have a very deep offensive. Unit, you know, you go lines one to four here. You have Angval too. So, let's say you slot Angval on the fourth line with Adam Gaudet and that fourth line right wing slot, you can go with literally anybody. You know, I would want to see a guy potentially from the Marlies get a shot. There's a couple names down there, like even Alex Steves. I was kind of a fan of his when he was playing with the Leafs last season, but you know, even if you wanted to give it to like Wayne Simmons or somebody that I think Wayne Simmons has that spot. For the start of the season, I think it's going to be his to lose, though. I think the leash is going to be short, but you know, there's been a lot of talk about Dubas about some of the prospects, you know, Ronnie Hervonen and all those players that were with the Marlies this season to make a potential jump. Obviously, there's some fans that are saying bring Curtis uh, Curtis Curtis Douglas up to play the fourth line center role and then have Adam got down the right wing. That'd be interesting, but you remember, you got to remember, Abbe Kubel is here in Toronto. He's certainly going to get a spot in uh, the forward core, so. I think you would have, so this is a line combinations that I've kind of been talking about here in uh, you know my own little office here, uh, making all the Leafs content, is your first line have Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews at center, and Mitch Marner on the right uh, right wing. Then as your second line, you have Nick Robertson, John Tavares, Cali Yarncroak. On your third line, you have Alexander Kerfoot, David Kempf, and then William Nylander. And on your fourth line, you have Pierre Engvall, Adam Gaudet, and Nicholas Obey-Kubel. I think that is a very deep team. I think that team potentially has a better offensive unit than what they had last year. I know losing Mikhaev and Kasha and Blackwell and Spetsa, those are some pretty, you know, big losses, especially Mikhaev and his production. But I think Engvall can certainly step up. I think you can get an extra seven goals out of Engvall from what he did this year. I think Engvall can hit, uh, you know, early 20 in goals. I think, you know, Obey Kubel is also a guy that can chip in and get you potentially 30, 35 points uh, if he's in a good spot. I think this team has some depth. And I think if you roll with a combination like I just mentioned, I think that fourth-line center spot is then open for competition. You can have a guy like Curtis Douglas bring some size up to the main team. You can potentially have other prospects with a little bit more, you know, I guess, flair to their game. A guy like Simon Diargon Chinsev. If you want to bring in a Rony Hervone in, like I already mentioned, Alex Steves, potentially you could find his way, and you move uh, maybe Angval to center. There's a lot of flexibility with this within this team. You can even move Yarncroke to center, right? And just you know, switch uh, if you want to put Godet on the wing as well. There's a lot of flexibility you can do with this Leafs team, and that's what I really like from Kyle Dubas's offseason so far is he's making this team deeper, he's making it more versatile. But then you look at the back end, right? And we look at the decor, and that's where Victor Mete and Jordy Ben are going to come into question. Now, is the Leafs have a plethora of NHL defensemen? They need to get rid of some. Obviously, they're tight on cap space. Um, Jordy Ben, just a quick explanation on him is he's a more physical sandpaper defenseman. Um, he's not bad, but he's certainly not his brother Jamie Ben. He's not got a lot of flair to his game. Like I said, very average and. Uh, meat and potato style, uh, very shut down and, you know, can kind of bring that Muzzin role if Muzzin was to get traded. Obviously Muzzin's cap hit, very unappealing to a lot of teams given his age and injuries. So I don't know if you're going to be able to move him. I already talked about a trade to the LA Kings, potentially for a guy like Sean Walker, maybe Wa. There, there's tons of players in LA that you can potentially swing a trade for if Muzzin wants to go back or if LA wants Muzzin back. Um, because I think that was the only team Jake Muzzin is willing to waive his no trade clause for a return back to LA to play with Drew Doughty and Kopitar and those guys. But, you know, I think right now, Jordy Ben, he's going to be that, I guess, seventh defenseman. I think he has a foot on Victor Mete just a bit because of the sandpaper game to his uh, style. I think, uh, you know, it's a good piece if there is injuries, obviously there's injuries throughout the whole season. We see it all the time and you're going to need depth. And I think Jordy Ben could provide that for the Leafs here. And, You know, obviously it's going to be interesting to see. He can have a very short tenor with the Maple Leafs. I would not be surprised if Victor Mete beats him out. The other guy I'm going to be talking about in one minute. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordy Ben is placed on waivers and he's claimed by another team because this guy can certainly play. Uh, He brings a good game, and he likes to hit too. Like, he's not afraid to run guys, and I think that brings an edge to the Leafs that, you know, they've been lacking. We've uh, heard Jake Muzzin talk about how he's lost confidence in playing that physical tough play and being that guy to lay the body. Um, so, you know, maybe Jordy Ben could come in and help install that confidence, and maybe he potentially play with Jake Muzzin and, uh, you know, kind of elevate his game together. So that'll be something interesting to see. He's very, I wouldn't say he's versatile, like he's very, um, like like he's very, sh- like he is going to stick on that left side. He's not the most mobile guy, and uh, certainly not like the other guy I'm going to be talking, to, uh, talking about sorry, here is Victor Mete now, who is a complete opposite of Jordy Ben? You know, he's a smaller guy, uh, good friends with Mitch Marner, um, you know, they've been friends for a long time, kind of from the same area, played on the London Knights together. Uh, Victor Mete, smaller guy, you know, not the most offensive you would think for uh, a guy of his, you know, mobility. And, um, you know, usually when you have a guy that's a little bit smaller, they usually have, like, some real flair offensively. That was something Victor Mete had when he was, you know, younger and junior and stuff like that. He really had that NHL flair that a lot of scouts thought would translate well to the pro game offensively. But he's just never really figured it out yet. Obviously, you know, he's spent a majority of his career with the Canadians now, um, you know, coming from the Ottawa Senators. So he's been, you know, on the Canadian road swing here. But uh, this is another guy, right, that, you know, he's going to get his chance in camp. Uh, We don't know if he's going to make it out of, um, you know, camp on the on the roster, I can see him potentially going down to the AHL or going on waivers and being claimed. But Victor Mete, I think this is a good depth move. I like his quickness. He's a good skater, a real fluent skater. He's a hard worker. Um the funny story is I actually know his trainer, his off season trainer, so um that's cool. I heard there's a lot of good things um, you know, about Victor Mete from other people as well. Uh, you know, he's a guy from this area, so a lot of close ties to him and I'm excited for this. You know, he just had his wedding too. Um Mitch Marner was there. Uh, I think it was last Saturday. So, you know, that's just awesome to see. And I'm really hoping that he, you know, the best for him, he's going to wear number 98. That's a number I don't think has ever been worn in NHL. Sorry. in uh, the Maple Leafs NHL history. Uh, so, you know, that's certainly going to be interesting um, and pretty cool to see. So I'm hoping Victor Mete has a good camp and, you know, I would like to see him finally find his, Role, his you know spot here in the National Hockey League full time uh, in a more positive manner than how it went with the Montreal Canadiens because if you remember there was all the talk about how he hasn't scored a goal and over 150 games stuff like that and uh, you know that's obviously draining on the player itself right? and that probably hurt his confidence they ship him out to Ottawa and you know nothing really good happened in Ottawa last season so you know he's gonna get a chance here finally with a team that is you know probably the best that he's ever played with yet. And, uh, you know, he wasn't that bad with the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs, especially when um, they were, I think it was against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the bubble where I thought he had a pretty good game. And like I said, he's got some speed to him. And uh, this leaves decor, adding a little bit of speed to it, uh, I don't think that's a bad idea and some depth down the line here. Because like I said, there's always injuries. So I think Victor Mete is a good move here by Kyle Dubas. But now let's transition over to Pierre Engvall. You know, Engvall comes back. Uh, two million dollars on a one-year deal. I think this is a prove-it deal. I think this is a deal that Kyle Dubas basically, you know, said, well, you know, you had a good season. You probably could make more than two million. There's probably a team out there that would probably give him three million. Um, but I think you know Kyle Dubas said, you know, take the two million. We'll keep you around. You're gonna have an elevated spot in the lineup, uh, because of Mikhaev on that left wing. So I think you're gonna see a lot more Engvall exposure uh, next season. And I think Kyle Lee was basically said, you know, look at the contracts that we have here. Um, You know, you're going to have to take a bit of a pay cut, but go out, prove yourself this year and then cash in next off season, because that's seemingly how all these contracts go here in Leafland. But I think that's a good move. Kyle Lee was locking up yarn croak for four years. Uh, I'm going to go back to that in a sec, but I think Engvall, you know, he's going to get an elevated roster spot. I told you that he's going to be more relied on. He had 15 goals last season. So, I think Engvall is a guy that can, like I said, I think he can hit the early 20s. Maybe 25 goals, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's his max, though. I don't see him a 30-goal scorer at all. I think he plays a very good two-way game, and that's why you see him kind of have a low point total uh, year in, year out. But one thing I have to say about uh, Pierre Engvall is, you know, this guy at the start of the year, he was so frustrating, in my opinion. To watch him play, being at Scotiabank Arena... The amount of times he would just hold on to the puck way too long, he was reluctant to shoot, would never capitalize on the opportunities time and time again, especially when he was on the second power play unit, holding, 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 then he loses the opportunity and he forces a play that doesn't work, it was very frustrating, Um, you know, and then... The second half of the season went on, he really changed his game. And I know the Leafs play a very puck possession-based game. And, you know, Engvall is very, very well relied upon in that aspect. He's very good at winning puck battles and corners. He's very good if you want to play a possession game like the Leafs like to do. But just the goal, like the attributes, like it's just hockey. It's just plain and simple hockey. No analytics at that point. No terms, no systems. If you have an open net, take the shot to score. The point is to score. The point is you want to win the game. And there was this point in the early half of the season where I just felt like he was just reluctant to shoot. He held on to it, held on to it. angle I also feel like this is important to mention as it's probably the biggest season uh, accomplishment of his. Uh, if you want to, you know, make a joke out of it is he did have the first goal for the Maple Leafs this season and the regular season. He also did have the Maple Leafs last goal in the regular season. So, um, you know, talk about that, but, I think Pierre Anger after the second after that break the All Star break he really came into his own. He got you know he turned into a more physical type player like that game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm guaranteeing you he got hurt after game one, especially at the end. I think that last twenty seconds he took a hard hit that you can really tell jolted him. But that game number one going up against Hagel he was such a factor physically, you know in all aspects too on the penalty kill. Winning uh, puck battles in the corner, like at all costs, he was all in, all in every single time. And, you know, I really felt confident at that point, you know, and Pierre Engvall saying, you know, if this guy is going to play like this throughout this series, I think the, the Leafs are going to have a very good chance here. And, you know, I just think as the game went on, uh, Pierre Engvall, you know, they started going after him, he started taking a lot of hits, he was getting... Uh, in the you know the corner in the battles there was a lot of face washing going on a lot of playoff hockey stuff some punches to the head I think Pierangvall if he can keep up that kind of arrogant style where he gets on other teams nerves he can provide 20 goals he could play a very two way game on the penalty kill kind of chip in and be a little bit more of a physical Mikhayev from what we had last year obviously the speed might not be there um, but I think Pierangvall still got a ton of upside and I like this move I I call. Pierre Engvall, the Kyle Dubas project. Obviously, you know when Dubas was here, he's the one that gave Engvall his shot. After you know playing uh, with, or sorry, while well, being the general manager of the Marlies, and Engvall was down there while they won their championship. But you know, I think Engvall has gone better as the years have gone on. I think he fits well under Sheldon Keefe's style of play, and I think that this Leafs team made a good move here and bringing back Pierre because I think that we're gonna have his best season uh, next year, and it's just, I think it's gonna be a topic about you know the Leafs losing another. Uh, player because a one-year deal is definitely going to be uh very interesting to see how it goes but yeah I certainly think he he might have actually had a chance to get a three times three I have no doubts that some team on the market would have overpaid him uh, since you know they have a, they have a weird fetish with anything Toronto Maple Leafs even other teams fans like they are so jealous of what the Leafs have here and you know it's funny I, I look at my phone like how long until we see talks about Michael Bunting and his contract status? Uh, I've seen somebody say on Twitter, I have to give them credit, but I can't find the tweet right now. I've been trying to look. But they said, how long until we see Bunting's contract talk? And they said November. I, I think that's the start of training camp. You know, I just saw Michael Bunting play the other day in a scrimmage at the Marner uh, Assist Foundation game, and he was insane. He looked even better than how he finished last season. You know, he, he looked faster <laughs> And, uh, you know, his shot, like he was scoring from all angles. He looks like he's going to have a real good season. Obviously, he's going to be in a contract year, and I think he's going to want to cash in. And you can definitely tell he's been putting in the work. So that's something that uh, I, I think is a very encouraging sign for the Leafs. Uh, I think you're going to want to get an extension done at this season because if he hits free agency, somebody's going to pay uh, big money for Michael Bunting. He's kind of what you want. He's uh, a very arrogant style of play that I kind of want to see out of Pierre Angle. You know, he's not afraid to get in your face. He'll go to the front of the net. He can play with the stars. He can complement stars well. And I think, you know, teams look across the league and those guys are actually harder to find than I think a lot of people realize. I think a lot of people realize, well, if you have Nathan McKinnon, just stick him with, you know, this bottom six plug and he'll turn into a top six player. No, like you need players that can match that kind of style. And, you know, I think Michael Bunting is one of those, assets and i think he's gonna be very coveted from a lot of nhl teams uh but you know going back to the team here i think pure if he he plays that north south game i think if he can just shoot the puck a little more he's going to find the back of the net more and i think you're going to see his best season so i'm really excited for that and i think him playing on a pairing or sorry a pairing playing on a line with uh, david camp and cal yarncroke as that two-way style i think that would be very very intriguing if you want to push neilander into the top six um I'm pretty sure Pierre Angval also touched up on the Kali Yarncroc move. Uh, I think he said that you know he's very excited to play with him. Like that is going to be a very very good third line if the Angval camp Yarncroc line could find its way together. But uh, you know we're getting close to the end of this episode. I think I'm just going to touch up on uh, Ilya Samsonov now. We kind of talked about him in the last episode a little bit, but I want to go deeper in now. Ilya Samsonov, very young goaltender, first round pick, hasn't had the best uh, NHL career at the Washington Capitals. He comes over to Toronto, $1.8 one-year deal, another prove-it deal. Sam Sonov is a bargain. Trust me, this guy can be unbelievable. He, When he's on his game, he's good. He can move, he's a good skater, he's quick, uh, he's got good reflexes, he's got good agility. I think now the Leafs, with a new goaltending uh, coach here in Curtis Sanford, I think they're going to have that reclamation project. With Samsonov, I think that, you know, there's some crazy upside here with Ilya. I think, you know, everybody in Leafs Nation knows that. I think everybody in Leafs Management is willing to bet on it. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see this. He's going to wear number 35, formerly worn by Peter Mrazek. It's also been confirmed that Matt Murray will wear number 30. So, you know, I'm excited to see how um, he can do here in Toronto. And Ilya Samsonov is certainly a guy I'm going to be looking at in fantasy. I know some people that listen to this play fantasy. So fantasy uh, GMs, make sure you have an eye on Samsonov. I think he's going to go real late in the draft. And one thing about uh, Matt Murray is he's never been a guy to rely upon health-wise, despite even when he's been on his game with the Penguins winning cups. So I think Samsonov's going to get a ton of action, I think, with the new goaltending regime here in Toronto, uh, the heavy analytics uh, that the Leafs use here, and, you know, no more Breer. So I think you're going to see the best out of Samsonov here in Toronto. And, Hopefully, he could stay here long-term because I'm still a big fan of his and I still think he's got a lot left to go. Uh, the Washington Capitals weren't a great team defensively. Guys like Justin Schultz and you know, you go down the list, uh, like, yeah, so they, they weren't Nick Jensen. Like, they weren't, you know, a great defensive team. Also not the quickest team. They left them out to dry a ton of times in a very tough metropolitan division that was, you know, got a ton of uh, all-stars. So, you know, a high-scoring division. I think he's going to come here. Better team overall than the Washington Capitals. I think a better environment um, and a lot more tools. You know, a lot more um, advantages here, given the facilities and stuff like that. I think he's going to have a real nice season, and I'm really excited for Elias Samsonov. So I think that's all from uh, myself today here at uh, the Battleborn Leafs Podcast. Hopefully, Mitch is able to join us soon, and uh, we'll have that Mitch Marner episode coming out early next week. I actually cannot wait. I think this might be. Potentially the best episode of uh, you know this Battleborn least podcast that we've had so far, and uh, I think you guys are really gonna enjoy it. So stay tuned. We're gonna have lots of content. Make sure you follow the Instagram at Battle Talk. Follow the Twitter, same thing, Battleborn Fan Talk. And um, yeah, I think you guys, if you enjoy any Toronto sports coverage, remember I talk Raptors, I talk Argos, Toronto FC, you name it, Blue Jays um so i'm always down to talk no matter what team you want to go through on toronto sports and we love talking to you guys battleborn fan talk is designed for fans um so you know if you have something you want to bring up on the pod if you want to join the pod feel free reach out we love to have you on even if you don't agree maybe if you think that i'm a complete idiot and everything that i've talked about is way too optimistic and let's say for example you think samsonov is going to bust and he's going to have an 800 save percentage and all this if you want to come on and you have a reason to explain that you know feel free i love talking to you guys and uh, you're the reason we, that makes this possible so thank you guys for listening to today's episode of the battleborn Lease podcast now taking us out is rattle right the glass thank you bye tml Is rattle the glass by Marty Zilstra. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Everyone is looking at me. Time is running out. We're down by i you. For-